The views and opinions expressed by the Loft Party Podcast panel participants and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the Good Times of Good People Company, the host, or its sponsors. It's not getting it, getting it. Welcome everybody out there in podcast land. The Good Times of Good People Company proudly presents the Loft Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. Now that you've received your invitation, the best way to let us know that you're in attendance is to download the party or become official by joining us on Facebook, subscribing on YouTube, iTunes Podcasts, or Google Play Podcasts. Good. Thanks for joining us. Grab a cocktail, light a cigar, or whatever you like to smoke, share us with your friends, and make yourself at home. I'm your host and moderator, Rio, and let's introduce today's panel. Hey out there, podcast land. I'm your host, Rio, and welcome to the Law Party Podcast, episode 80. I'm so indicted, and I just can't hide it. Uh, between the Mueller uh, indictments and, uh, and uh, Hollywood uncovering its many, uh, excuse me for this bad pun, bad actors, uh, what happens to powerful men? Uh, but before we get started, uh, let me introduce today's panel. First, we have uh, Chris O'Connor. He's the owner of Liquid Nine Entertainment and Investments, as well as having interest in Regal Whiskey and Office Works. We have Big Dave Elliott. He's the owner of CMP Construction. We have Jordan Bradbury, industrial supply sales, and the creator of the uh, Alchemist brand clothing, and the anonymous female because she doesn't want you to know her name. And with all that said, I guess the question then is, well, what are we drinking? And today we are drinking, uh, because it is very uh, nippy outside, we're drinking mold cider. Uh, and so, um, so what, okay, I'm going to give you the mold cider recipe for like a batch. I'm not going to give you each, each cocktail, I'm going to give you a whole batch. So. Need a bottle of Rieger, uh, Rieger whiskey. Need 10 ounces of uh, honey syrup. That's one to one honey and water. Uh, six ounces of lemon juice. 24 ounces of apple cider. 24 ounces of black tea. Uh, six cinnamon sticks. A uh, uh, teaspoon of clove. A teaspoon of allspice. And three star anise. So you combine all those ingredients in a slow cooker. You cook uh, in that slow cooker till it's uh, thoroughly uh, melded. It takes about 30 minutes-ish. Uh, you add any flavors to garnish, and of course, you uh, can either garnish with or all of the above uh, a cinnamon stick, an apple slice, and maybe a little clove. Either way, in weather like we're having right now, mulled cider. It's delicious. Dilly dilly. So, something <laughs> to drink with the harvest moon. Dilly dilly. Uh, what dilly. we have right now. <laughs> dilly. I do love that ad. That's a great one. Yeah, it is a good ad. Uh, and uh, what are we smoking? Uh, one of my favorites, the Arturo Fuente mm. Hemingway uh, classic. That's um, a good cigar. Uh, yes, it one is. One of my favorites also. Uh, Dominican filler and binder, uh, Cameroon wrapper. Um, it, uh, it's actually kind of a, a woody kind of a smoke out there for anybody who hasn't smoked it. It does have some 
some uh, cinnamon and nutmeg, uh, a little little toasty notes to it. Goes quite well with our mulled cider. And for under 10 bucks, it's a great stick out there. So um, please join us, if you will. Grab yourself a drink, grab yourself a smoke, and we're gonna get into today's RIPs. Um, so normally we do celebrity RIPs, and today I decided uh, the bigger RIP and maybe even some small amount of discussion needs to go to the Texas church massacre. Um, uh, at last I checked, uh, 26 killed um, over the weekend uh, in the small Texas church. And uh, uh, we want to send the condolences out to those families and friends of all those victims. Um, you said 10% of the, of, their, of the city. 10% of their little town. Jeez. It's, it's just like small... the total victims, 26 mm -hmm. are dead, the rest are in the hospital, right? Yeah. And they, then there's only a couple hundred such, people that live in the town. Yeah, it's such a small town that it was 10% of their population. Yeah. And everybody in the town was affected by it because they either knew or had family. And the youngest person was five, and the oldest one was 72. That were killed. And then there's one woman who was eight months pregnant that was killed, expecting a kid. And there's just yeah. a lot of sad people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I just. Well, the guy that did it was a confirmed atheist on his Facebook and everything else. So he, he was always cranking on that. Um, there were, fortunately, a couple of individuals that heard the shots and fired at him. Mm -hmm. Got him running, or he might have even killed more, which is ghastly to think of that. He even could have killed more than that. Yeah. Well, and it, managed to chase him down, and, and he, it appears he took his own life. Well, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it more later, but out. I mean, that being atheist wasn't all that. that the well, that was. doesn't help the fact. Um, part of the problem here, and I, and, I, and I think this is an interesting point. You're raised by your parents, hopefully, or parent, to have <clears throat> some respect for folks. And I think it's a lost morality that you look back at a lot of these mass shooters and they, they don't have any faith. They don't have any morality. Their right and wrong is very skewed or not at all. And they, without some type of faith or some type of being, you can become evil. And that is the face of evil. These people are an evil, they're evil people. They've let the darkest thoughts in the back of their mind come forward and then acted them out. Well, what, what got me with, uh, with this guy was um, before his name could get onto the registry for not being able to uh, own a weapon. He shouldn't have known one. He, because no, he was discharged. No, Dishonorably discharged. discharged for... Uh, uh, beat, beating his wife. Yeah, for, dis for, for beating his wife and an 11 month old child. It wasn't before he could get on the registry. The right. FBI forgot to put him on the registry. Right. And this has happened a lot. There's a big a difference. This has happened a lot. It's just, you know, Vegas shootings. 
That man bought weapons that should have put up a red flag to the FBI. Why though? Um, it they were proved. It was proven that he didn't buy all the components to make the weapons that he. I mean, we've already had this conversation. Mm -hmm. But yep. they, he bought the components to that separately, mm -hmm. so there wasn't anything that would cause a red flag. But that was kind of what our discussion was: whether you buy it at the same time or not, you should be able to see a trail of bingo. You know, yeah. but that hey, takes if you a, put that these takes things together. Lot, you have a, a automatic that machine That takes gun. a lot of money and a lot of time and effort to put something like that together. I mean, if you think about what it would take to create a system that could do that fairly, fairly. It's, it would take a lot of money that Congress isn't willing to spend, and the NRA would completely fight. No, 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 I, I, I will argue that one. The, the NRA will never fight any type of background checks. The, every gun I've ever bought, I've had background The NRA background is already fighting that. background checks. I, I have done background checks on most every gun I bought, even and the ones that I bought. Now, of course, I'm a citizen, mm -hmm. so I'm not doing things illegally. So when I bought pistols, several pistols from other people, I took them and registered them with the sheriff's department that the sale was completed and I had those guns. Um, Listen, by law, that's what I'm supposed to do. There's different local, county, and state laws. There is no federal law that mandates it. So, for example, when you say the NRA didn't lobby against it, they absolutely did. That was the whole gun show loophole that they got implemented into the yeah. bill. So you can go to a gun show and buy as many guns as you want. Well, and isn't show. it you don't... I thought you didn't have to register, didn't have a background check for a rifle, but you do for a pistol. And, I mean, it just, a gun is a gun is a gun. But I'm, I, I, and myself and most of NRA members I know, and all the gun code members I know that I'm a member of, we don't have problems with background checks at all. Not a one of us. Not a one of us. The unfortunate thing, though, is you're not the one making the policies. Well, and here's a guy who spent a year in jail for domestic violence against his wife and kids. It's, That's mm -hmm. absolutely unconscionable. He should be allowed near a gun in his we'll life. Go back to our policy. The governor, well, yeah, the governor he, of Texas came out and said twice. He's like, he should never have been allowed to have a gun. Oh. It, it, it was not legal mm -hmm. for him to even have these guns. We got a whole bunch of people. You go down, how many kids in our hood have guns that shouldn't be allowed to have? Felons. Well, most of them don't get a Not just not just in a hood. How many felons everywhere have guns? Right, you can't vote if you have a felony. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's somebody. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, yeah, because it's. I think the the real problem with him is he was able to obtain a gun through legal channels that he should not have been able. Colorado and. Arizona? Yeah, 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 but he should not have been able to own a gun, period. Uh, yeah. Uh, Especially, how, I mean, at what, you spend a year in, in jail for a crime, yet in all that time, no agent put his name on a registry? Like, how, what, how long does it flip and take to do that? Yeah. You know, it, it should be immediate. There shouldn't be any lapse of time I don't, to do data entry. No. I don't they, understand they why we don't have a national database myself. Yeah, I I'm blown away by that. Because here we got the NSA, turns around and knows when we made phone calls, 
That's what I'm saying. They do have a database. It already exists. So the yeah. NSA can check on but us at any time and anywhere. Other. Yeah, that's really a problem. Other. But but they can't get There's a national no, database going. They Are you serious? They don't use it. They don't. They don't have the laws in place to be able to do that. Now it would take literally just passing a law and going. Okay, you can tap into our system. There have you ever gone to get a global entry card? Or the TSA pre-check? Yeah, I've, I've heard I've got TSA pre-check. I mean, they will call up parking tickets that you had yeah. <laughs> from 10 years ago. They do have a database in place. So, That's yeah, crazy. they got it. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, we could definitely spend a lot of time on this, but I, I do want to move, move forward because uh, this will eventually tie back into the grander, grander topic of the show. Um, but... We want to move from uh, RIPs to happy birthdays. Because no, we never want to leave uh, the top of the show on down note. Uh, so first, uh, Emma Stone. Um, she's uh, been in several things. Latest was uh, La La Land. Uh, she turned 29. Uh, uh, I feel very bad for this guy. Some days, uh, Lamar Odom uh, turns 38 today. Still alive. Uh, yeah. He has yeah. a chance for Despite redemption himself. in life. Yeah, yeah right. He, he has a chance for redemption. He has a chance to make something of himself. I hope. I, and and, and uh, I hope he does. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Sally Field uh, turns 71. The today. flying nun. Yeah, turns 71 today. Uh, I'm the only one that ever saw that show when it when it was on. No, no, it was on, but I've seen the show since. Good show. You weren't. Was it in you syndication were, when I was a kid? On, you you might have been three or uh, four. Nick at night. I would have been. I would have been alive when it was on. No, yeah, I but you were never watching it. Like, my mom, like maybe it was reruns or something. But reruns. you saw reruns. Yeah, like because I know my mom and dad watched it. Well, at least my mom did. Mm, I don't, okay. I don't remember. I think it was. Uh, I think it was off by the early mid seventies. Mm -hmm. well, I, I think it, I think it was off the air. The original. But it got the original up, series got picked up by Nick at Night for a while. Sitcom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is on that. <clears throat> yeah. So with that, we want to say uh, rest in peace to all those that passed. We want to say happy birthday to all those that are having having a birthday today. And with that, we'll be right back. Hey, you can search for The Loft Party Podcast on iTunes Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and on our Good Times with Good People YouTube channel. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, tweet us on Twitter, and if you'd like the content we provide, donate to us on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash loftpartypodcast. You can find all of our links below, and now back to our regularly scheduled program. All right, and we are back. And before we get too deep, let's play a quick party game. Uh, so, describe one experience uh, that you had where you took a huge leap of faith. That's question number one. Question number two, um, and we and we don't have to answer these both at the same time. In fact. We should probably go around and do the one and do the other, but I want to give both questions. Um, and the other is that it is said that everybody has a price. Um, do you? And how much is it? Mm. So, uh, everybody has a price? Yeah. Okay. So, first, 
Oh, like, oh, you know you'd do it for a million dollars. But it always seems relative to what the thing is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... I didn't put a specific scenario because I, I think that when you say a price, usually you go to like, you have to do like one of the worst things you ever would ever think about doing. And would you ever, for any amount of money, and if so, how high is that price tag before you go, you know what, I, I might do it for that. But I wouldn't do it for anything below that because, you know, I do think, um, I do think most people, if they're being honest, probably do have a price tag. But uh, I do think the the direct attachment to your morality is that makes that price tag really high, depending upon what the act is. Like I could never like like shoot my mom. I just couldn't do it. You know, um, for a certain price, you know, could I smack her? <laughs> I, for the right barbecue. I sauce. hope. I hope the friend. Smack your mama. Mother never hears this episode. <laughs> well, she one, will smack your ass down. Well, first of all, <laughs> all I said was. <laughs> Even entertaining the thought. Her, her price hey, is smacking you. Well, exactly, exactly. Because that's a price. You, 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 you may have a problem with just saying that out loud. At least two people here have met your mom. So yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure they know. Like your mom. Oh, yeah. They, your she mom would beat her ass oh, down. She's, yeah, a, she's yeah. a wonderful conversation. Now, I will have to say, woman. That, that price would be really high. <laughs> for one, that price would be ridiculously high. You better explain some shit. Two, and two, I would have to split it with her. <laughs> I, I couldn't. It would be 90 for her, 10 for you. Why don't you bet on this, this out later. Be You're trying to bail yourself out. And you're, you're too low and too late. Uh, all right, so I'm calling your mama. Let's go. Hey, hey, hey now. Let's get to the first question. And that is, describe one experience where you had to take a huge leap of faith. So, uh, we, we got one? I got it. I got it. I, my huge leap of faith would be by my business. When I was working as a foreman in the field all the years, worked for the company for 17 years, and thought that I would be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of difference between running a little side business like I had. And I had a business back in New Hampshire, I had a little construction business out there, but only had you no know, four employees. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you go running a company with you know forty employees or fifty employees. Yeah, that's a different. That's a different. I can day. promise you that you all think it's kind of cool and dandy. You think you're kind of big man on campus, and I can do this. And then you start sitting in that chair, and reality starts beating you about the head. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and you're trying to run your first payroll and make the money, and you're just scared to death. <laughs> and yeah. there are still times when I got $38,000 payroll, which I have most every week now, you know. It, it, the, the funny thing is, is that when I had a thirty dollars or $32,000 payroll back in those days, the, the, the amount of money was just boggling to me. 
the amount of money I had to pay in insurance, the amount of money I had to pay for rent and vendors and everything else that I got you know, taken care of. And I got to be honest, nowadays, yeah, it's still a lot of money, but it's, it's all relative. Yeah. It wouldn't matter if I had 10 people working for me or 40 people working for you or 100 people working for you. You still have to come up with X amount of dollars. Yeah, I think that's probably a thing that most people that start a business don't realize. You know, they're like, oh, I'm going to start this business because I love doing this. And they forget about all the uh, responsibility and, burden, and yeah. burden of business. And, and that you have people's livelihoods. You know, I, in your I'm hands. responsible for all those families. Mm -hmm. And that is a burden. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When, when you have all these people working for you and they're dependent upon you to make their check and, and, and try to provide them with a decent work environment and mm -hmm. be able to give them raises and bring them along and promote well, them. And, and, and I imagine that um, provide benefits. You providing your own income, too, is probably difficult because you don't have somebody else paying you. You're well, not like going I went, and working for somebody else anymore. Yeah, like when I went three years without a paycheck during the recession. Yeah. And I, I lived mean, on I, Michelle's income and I'm still washing dishes. That, that'll do it. Oh, you'll be washing dishes for her. Well, forever. that's done. Once you, once a man steps into that, it's over. It's over. She has, she will do her nails, and nothing is ever going to get in between the soap and her nails again. Um, there is a thing called um, gloves. Well, actually, you know, Michelle's retired right now. It, it, she she does have some pretty good job opportunities she's looking at. Uh, she's ready to go back to work now that all our family mm -hmm. situations are taken care of. Podcast doesn't know we lost both of her parents in the last year and a half or so, which is, you know, it's kind of a sobering thing because uh, the word we were trying to look for is that you become orphaned. Mm -hmm. and, it, and that's a funny word all of a sudden, you know, because you are all of a sudden in the world by yourself. Yeah. And you lose one parent, you still got the other one. But when you lose both of them, yeah. You're, you're it. That's it. Just you and your si brothers and sisters now, and that's it. Yeah, you become. So if you have brothers and sisters, you yeah, become. Really gonna become so anyway, that's yeah. that's that's my leap of faith. Yeah, that yeah. No, ten, that's ten, ten years, ten ten and a half years now later, I'm I'm still here. I'm still running the business, and I uh, will give a lot of divine intervention on that. I know I had the hand of God up and His strength upon my shoulder more than once. I hear that. Just to help me get through. Anybody else uh, know theirs off the top? Yeah, mine would be the same as yours. I mean, I went from making shit ton of money at a good corporate job, it's great, to, <clears throat> and this is a classic story, I think, where <clears throat> you are doing well on this little business you started and you want to grow it, but you don't have nearly enough money or capital to get there yet, and so at what point do you make that jump? And, you know, I went from making really good money uh, down to I think twenty six thousand dollars, you know, in our first year, and that was a little bit of a shock to the system. Uh, <laughs> but you have to have the faith that it's going to grow back up. But then on the flip side, probably the other big leap of faith I had was selling selling on it, mm. which was too hard to do because that was something I started with nothing and all of my money, uh, and then coming to the realization that maybe now is the best possible time you can get out of it. So I, I think that's even more so is letting go of something that you created. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, it is hard. Every, I mean, I drive by that building every day and I still look at it and go, oh, it's being there sometimes. But still, there's, <laughs> a, there's a reward, though, in building it to that point, because I look to sell my mm -hmm. business someday. 
And there's a reward building that to the point where it obtains a value. Yeah. And then you're able to sell it for that value. Yeah. You know, so you created that. That's something that you have coming to you because if you created it and it has enough value that you can make a good dollar off it when you sell it, hey, more power. The, the dollars are nice. It just never takes away the emotion of, of the yeah. situation either way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have to say, I took a leap of faith when I bought my condo over at Coffee Lofts. There was um, a, a wall project pending. And I heard whispers of it being upwards of a million dollars or so before we closed and I just jumped out and said, hey man, I want to use this as you know an investment property one day. Um, let's just do it. And the numbers came back on the project. It was much less than a million bucks. But I was scared to death. You know, first property, you know, um, the, the whole process just going, you know, through the, the lending and all that closing, it was just difficult. But I just jumped out there and did it. So... Good for you because that is nerve wracking. Yeah. Man, man. <clears throat> yeah, man, it was tough. So, once you take the leap, it's not over though. <coughs> now it's time to get to work. Right. You know, anytime you take a leap like that, it's yeah. you, you've leaped. Now you got to start walking, and then you got to learn to run. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you try to run before you walk, and that creates a problem. Yeah, so, right. you know, it's it's all part of the it's a journey, and it it's, it, it's a cool journey. Yeah, for sure. As long as it works. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I listened to this, uh, this other well, a podcast, and Gary Vaynerchuk, The Daily Beat. Yeah, 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 I listen to Daily Beat. Yeah, um, he talks about just like failing on purpose. Like, and he just jump out there. Nothing's just, perfect. Nothing is. Nothing is um, perfect. You have to adapt and roll and... Yeah. Yeah, that's it's just, that's, that's life, that's business, that's everything. You have to, nothing's perfect. There's no utopia. Yeah, just just knowing yourself and just having what? the opportunity. Yeah. Sorry, anonymous female. There's no <laughs> utopia out there. <laughs> I know you, you just told her there's no Santa Claus. Podcast needs to That's why I, I, I love the anonymous female because she does have this dream of utopia. She has this beautiful, beautiful mind and this beautiful world she would like to see us all live in. And I, I'll give her kudos for that, but it's a difficult thing to find and achieve. That is the truth. That is the truth. Any, any. I think my biggest leap of faith has been um, probably letting my children be adults and knowing or hoping that I raise them right. That's probably been my biggest one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not. Uh... Just the Not fact easy. that you raised them, you gave them their best shot. Yeah. You, you know, all you can do is try not to screw them up too much. That is for sure. I think mine was probably moving to Kansas City. Uh, well, there was nothing in my... Uh, it was no, it was nothing in me that was like, oh yeah, Kansas City, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's what's up, my man. I'm uh, for anybody out there in podcast land who doesn't know, I'm born and raised in Chicago, and uh, uh, I am very much a Chicagoan. Uh, but there was a point when uh, you know the uh, 
economy was crazy, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff. And it's funny because it was before the actual market meltdown. You know, there's an old saying that said when um, when uh, when Main Street uh, catches a cold, you know, the hood the hoods already had the flu for <laughs> for six months, and uh, and that's really what it was. It was. Uh, it was 05 and um, and the hood caught the flu and so I was starting to see a lot of people I knew uh, get laid off I, you know it, it was I was actually between jobs um, I was working temp really steady but I hadn't uh, landed anything in particular and then I actually had a nibble um, and so, okay, I'm going, I'm going to take this job. Um, I walked away from the temp job that I was on um, to take that job, get there first day. And uh, they, they said, uh, actually, your, your paperwork isn't finished being processed, blah, 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 blah. can't start you. Which is insane because they had already emailed me an uh, offer letter, the whole Smitty. And um, so then um, the temp job called me and said, you know, because I had actually become really cool with everybody that I was working with there. And, um, I still had the building pass for, because I was working uh, at the Prudential Building in downtown Chicago. So like, if you do me a favor, when you get a chance, drop the building pass off. How's the new job going? I said, well, actually, it's crazy. Um, um, I went. They wouldn't let me start because they sent my paperwork. Uh, hold on. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, like two, three minutes later, come back to the phone. So, um, uh, until your new job starts, can you come back? Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, at the time, I wasn't turning down any money. Um so I wind up going back, and uh, then they immediately start the, so, Kansas City. You ever thought about Kansas City? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, and, but they were persistent, and, uh, and one day they actually <clears throat> called me in the office and, hey, you know, we really like you to consider moving to Kansas City and, and, and come, because the company was going to be moving to Kansas City. Um, I literally laughed at the first job offer because it was just like I was like I can't live on that. Are you out of your mind? They're like, well, the cost of living is cheaper. I don't care if the cost of living is cheaper. I can't live on that. You're out of your mind. <laughs> my cost of living. Is <laughs> right, right. My cost of living is not cheaper. I don't know about yours. Uh, so they're like, well, what could you live on? I said like ten thousand more than that. And they're like, huh? And they went away. We. Maybe two, maybe not, maybe a week. <clears throat> they came back. We think we found your money. Uh, oh, you're you're serious. And then of course I took it seriously, and um, you know, my friends were all like, "Oh, don't go, don't go. It's, that's crazy. You don't know anybody there." And, uh, but you know, honestly, it was one of the best things that I could have done for myself. Uh, for my daughter, um, I wound up meeting some incredible friends, and uh, 
They've made quite a life here in Kansas City. So, hey, um, I can't uh, I can't complain about that particular leap of faith because, uh, to tell you the truth, I don't know if I'd be doing this show had I not, you know, had I not taken that leap of faith uh, because that was probably my second biggest leap of faith is uh, starting a show that I wasn't sure would ha would have an audience, but. At the same time, it was just like, well, it would be fun to do. Uh, I sit around and have these types of conversations with my friends here all the time. Why not take them? It's so, called, it's called fate, real. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. fate, fate happens to us. Yeah, sometimes There's not it a thing so. we can do about it. It just happens, and it happens good. Yeah, it and and it did. Uh, so, getting back to the second question. Is anybody <coughs> going to admit a price? Oh, we got a price. Okay, okay, we got a brainstorm. My price is $8,500, and that's the price of a stainless steel Submariner Rolex with a Cyclops eye. <laughs> and my uh, thing is. <laughs> uh, where, where are you shopping? <laughs> it's, uh, they've got a. It's, uh, there's one at Tibble and uh, Marriott's uh, Jewelers. Okay, uh, that's Willie's coat down on no, the corner. What are you talking well, about? Well, I was, I was, I was, I was checking because mm -hmm. I'm like, is that retail or is that? that's Willie's coat. <laughs> that's retail. That's <laughs> Willie's coat on the corner. Yeah. He got that big leather coat he pulls <laughs> open. It so, at that retail price, it's like, I mean, you can get them for less, but they're used, and you don't get the five-year Rolex warranty and so on. No. Um, so, that's my dream watch. I just, it's, it's. James Bond wore it. I just like it. It's sleek. You know, yeah. it's, I can dress it up, dress it down. Hey, I, I'll show you a picture of my, of my Rolex Dream Watch. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's, it's slightly more expensive than well, well, okay. But we'll keep okay. going. Well, let me give you a little story about my Rolex. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Right. Hold, on before, hold on before we do the Rolex story. Because I want to make it around, okay. uh, around the right. table with everybody's price. Okay. Right. So, but yours. So, yeah. That's, it's, it's, it's like $8,500 MSRP. My thing is... I want to get this watch like I want to get it on my own. It's going to be like a sort of a, a reward for a your reward, hard work. A reward for my hard work. Yeah. Well, my wife, that's crazy. It's a watch. It's a lot of money. It's well, have you ever explained why watches are you expensive? You said we weren't getting into. Well, but but I I do think he needs to. He needs he needs armor. Yeah, he needs yeah, armor if he's going to. Conversation. Yeah. Well, because. Watches, expensive watches are expensive really for one reason. It shows other men, uh, uh, as, uh, as my uh, younger cousin uh, said to me this week actually, and I was very touched when she called to ask my advice about something because she's uh, <clears throat> uh, mid-20s and she was asking my advice about something. She says, I didn't know anybody else in your age bracket that was a man of quality. And I was like, well, god damn, cuz, I, I appreciate that. But it shows other men of quality that your time is valuable. That's actually why the expensive watches, now, on, on top of the, the, the build and all of the other things that go into it, it really is a symbol to other men of quality that your time is valuable. But I digress. Um, $8,500. Yeah, $8,500 for the Submariner, uh, stainless steel, black dial. Uh, so the Submariner's a, a 
beautiful watch. That has the watch. blue face on it. It's a beautiful yeah, watch. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking at a Submariner for my second Rolex. Okay. So, so my thing is, I'm talking with my pops. I'm like, hey man, you know, I'm looking at this watch or whatever. I want to do it. You know, when I, you know, accomplish, you know, something big. Right. Hey man, well, you know, so you're doing well, man. You know, you just have a son. And I was like, ah. You said, I'll get you one. I don't know, man. Now, that's something you want to do for yourself. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, ah, you know, I, I, I want to do that for myself. You know, he's like, ah, oh, man, it's just, it's at least I get, ah. So I've been thinking lately, that may be something I, <laughs> that's <laughs> you know I mean? It might be, okay. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. And, 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 you yeah. know, I, I, I hate that, but I keep trying to, yeah, it's my pops, a lot of people, you know what I mean? He didn't do much when I was coming up. Right, know? right, right, right. That might be the price. Yeah. That might be the price. Like, hey, he's, you know, he owes down. He's, he's solidifying his love right. for $8,500. Right. Okay. So right. I, I, right. I'd say that. You know what you tell your pops? What's say, that? Pops, I'll own that watch someday myself. Mm -hmm. And then I'll pass that on to my son. That works. Yeah, sentimental value. And my, and my son will have that watch. Mm -hmm. My father passed his Rolex on my mother. When my my father passed, my mother passed mm -hmm. that Rolex on to me. However, mm -hmm. you want you have to realize about Rolex is that you have to have them cleaned every so often. Right, it's and it's like four hundred, five hundred dollars to get it cleaned. Mm -hmm. However, I was on the job site the other day and I had to adjust the time, and I'm like three years beyond time to get it cleaned. And I pulled it out, and the little bezel on the end of the stem went boink. And went bing, 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 bing down a set of stairs into a basement with all kinds of sawdust and everything down there. And I went, hmm, <laughs> this is not going to go good. I'm going to go down and look for this, but I stand a chance of finding a needle in a haystack. Very true. I did not find it. <laughs> so I took it into Tivoli, and it's going to be $1,200 to get it all fixed up, but it will have a two year warranty on it again. Okay. And that watch has increased in value seven thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. From the time it was bought to the time it is now seven thousand dollars, and it is now a classic. What is it? It's, it's a Rolex Datejust. Datejust. Okay. To perpetual. It's a perpetual Datejust. Yeah. So, uh, <coughs> since you jumped in, do you have a price, Big Dave? Mario, I, I don't. Okay. No, no, I don't. I don't have a price. I've, I've got to do so many things in life, and my life is so rich from all the things I've experienced in my life. There, there's nothing that nobody could pay me to do that I ain't done already. All right. That sounds good to me. Chris? Yeah, I was thinking the same. I can't think of, I mean, anybody who knows me knows I still drive a shitty car, still live in a shitty house. No, all of a sudden, the material things are just are not that big of a deal to me. There's no amount of money to make me happy care. that uh, I haven't experienced already. Yeah, I've done a lot of fun things, and luckily I don't have to sweat out money anyway, so I really don't feel the pressure to have to do anything. I'm like, okay, let's do what I want to do. That's, that, yeah. that's not the motivator for me. Yeah, no, but, but I will say, uh, for anybody out there in podcast land, <laughs> I think, you know, probably Jordan and I are probably at similar points in our life. And the the two of you having started and ran some successful businesses and and, and you're at a different place where, oh, like wow. you say, 
money isn't your motivator any, you know, anymore. And not and to tell you the truth, it's really not mine either. Mine, my motivation really is seeing the things that I've birthed uh, succeed. It's really not. Now, the markers of that success um, are the the watches and the things like that. But 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 I don't live for the markers either. You know, like I just want the thing that I created to succeed. But those, you know. But those markers are important. You know, it's like this this ring I got. You know, I was my fiftieth birthday. I'm almost sixty now. My fiftieth birthday, my my mother and my uh, wife took my diamond out of my dad's <clears throat> ring and a diamond out of my grandfather's ring and made this watch. So it's the Irish trifecta. Ah, that's all right. I mean, this ring, not the watch, but the ring. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't know how expensive dang things. I don't couldn't care less. Right. It means something. But that means something, and that's. And that's one thing you're right about men, and and even women. They like to have things handed down from their grandmother or their great grandmother. They want to have something older. That means a lot to them in a lot of ways. But for us, you know, our bling kind of says something about us. You're right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's not. Somebody it's, sees that, and it's they, not about the bling. It's it's, it's about, about what it that the bling yeah. has. Exactly. Something so. about just. The Rolex on your wrist is. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a successful thing, and and as male, we need our our egos need that little bit of stroking. Yeah. You know, from time we have to time. we have a little bit of pride in that ego. Yeah. From time to time. And I justify like I mean, I wake up and go to work every day, and I see the paddock billboard up there. You know, it's like I don't want a paddock for me. You know, I want a Rolex. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is. Uh, once you get the Rolex, will you eventually want the Patek Philippe? Probably. Well, the thing is, the Rolex, it's a mechanical watch. Yeah. So you wear it all the time. I, I still feel funny not having it on. Mm. You know, I, I think it should be ready to pick up during a week. It's just something about, I mean, you can spot it a mile away. You're at the bar. Guys got one down there. You, you know oh, yeah. Like, like, you know it as soon as you yeah, see it. You know it. It's, there's, it's, there's, there's two watches that I can spot a block away. Yeah. I can spot a Rolex or I can spot a Panerai a block mm. away. I just, yeah. like, it's just the, the, the bezels, the bezel on a Rolex or the bezel on a Panerai are so unique mm -hmm. that... Yeah, I know. I know what that is. Everything else, you got. Oh, what kind of watch is that? Yeah. You don't have to ask with Rolex or Panerai. You just, <laughs> you just know. know, man. Yeah. You just know. But I don't know, man. I'm kind of struggling with like, is it shallow or is it, you know? Ah. I, I think everybody at this table will probably tell you it's not that shallow. <laughs> I think it's, it's shallow. No, I'm just kidding. So what about yeah. anonymous female? Only it's shallow. It's just I've never felt competition with those people. Yeah. Well, it's not yeah. even a competition, it's for me. You know what, yeah. I look at it as, you, you, ha everybody mm -hmm. should reward themselves when they achieve a goal. And that, to me, and is what it is. It's, yeah. it's Whether you it's achieve a big goal. Going out and celebrating and picking up a check. Or it's buying a watch, or just taking a vacation. Sports car. Like it's or something that. Yeah. Whatever, whatever trip you Everybody trip. has yeah. their something. So you know, and, and I'll say this about my wife. My wife likes it that I have these things. Hmm. She likes it when she goes out with me, and I got I got my bling on. I got mm -hmm. my 
I got another ring on where my um, grandfather's Yes, name. but Michelle is a breed into herself. Where, well, that ain't no lie. I'm lucky uh, I'm still alive. We've <laughs> talked about Michelle's closet. Yes. So. But, but, but I, I, I like it that she takes pride when I look good. Yeah. Now, however, I've dressed myself many times and she comes up and goes, What is you that? You wearing that? <laughs> Some of our biggest fights are over that. I said, God dang it, after all this time, I should know how to dress myself. And she goes, No, you don't. <laughs> and then you go and change. And then I go and change. Yeah. And then we fight on the car for 15 minutes. And by the time we get to where we're going, we're all right. All right. <laughs> so, anonymous female, is there is there a price? <clears throat> and what is it? Well, I mean, you know me. Do you think I have a price? Uh, me personally? Mm -hmm. uh, no, I don't think you have a price. Uh, and if it is, it's probably pretty high. Uh, I'm talking in the millions. I'm not talking. <laughs> but uh, I could be wrong. You see how she deflected that, Jordan? I mean, she went boom. That's, that's a skill set. I mean, it was like <laughs> yes. No, I really don't. I, I don't. I, I am a firm, firm believer on... Um, karma and things coming back and yep um, I mean sure. it, you can call it what you want but I've seen it happen to people that are just um, willing to sell themselves or others or so you sold the devil when you do that yeah treat people horribly and you know nothing good comes from it Don't I, say I, you just, sold the I at the mm -hmm. end of the day I want to be able to lay my head down and be okay with who I am yeah. Amen. If the devil went down to Georgia and he was looking for a soul to steal. <laughs> he was in a bind. And he's way behind. He's looking to make a deal. <laughs> down, down, down. Sorry. Uh, with, with all that, <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey, out there in podcast land, we would not be doing our duty if we didn't acknowledge the sponsors of the Law Party Podcast, the Majestic Restaurant and Jazz Club, and the Majestic's Pendergast Club. The Majestic carries on Kansas City's tradition of great food and jazz. Let them show you why they are the classic Kansas City Steakhouse experience. 931 Broadway, just three blocks from the Kansas City Convention Center. Jay Rieger and Company, a Kansas City distillery. Whether whiskey, gin, or vodka, neat or on the rocks, Jay Rieger, Kansas City, sipping good since 1887. CP Construction, Kansas City's premier wood framers, 50 years of quality framing and craftsmanship. Just email david.cnpservice at gmail.com and start building something new today. And our friend and frequent guest, Lane Boland. Thank you all for all that you do 